Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast. It's sponsored by Zwift, the indoor cycling program that lets you ride courses from all across the globe, including your chance to ride on the course from the Richmond World Championships in 2015, where Peter Sagan won. See how you compare. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Tour de France podcast, episode 12. I'm Christophe Mallet, I'm your host, as uh, per the all the other podcasts, and uh, episode 12 already. Uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download or stream this uh, podcast on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash central, and you can also uh, download this podcast from our website, sbs.com.au slash cycling central and can as equally have uh, some good rides on uh, our lovely friends at Zwift hit their website zwift.com and I'm joined today by uh, like pretty much uh, most of our podcast Dave McKenzie hey Dave I've barged my way into this box, haven't I? We're not even in a box. We're in the open air. But I've, wherever you are, I find you and say, listen, I'm on. So, no, I'm loving it. It's great. No, it's awesome. Let's start about uh, having a quick word with uh, Matthew Heyman, our friend Matthew Heyman. Uh, we had a quick chat with him just uh, on what was his rest day and, and how he felt during his rest day. That's Matthew Heyman. Yeah, look, uh, everyone was saying the, the flat days were easy, but... Uh they were super hot, which takes it out of you. And um, yeah, look, stage nine, uh, I suffered. I really suffered that day and uh, I wasn't on one of my best days, but that's fine. Stage eight, I felt all right. Uh, and yesterday uh, was able to recover. So it was a nice, well-timed rest day and I made the most of it. Yeah, and uh, what's the target for this week? Uh, defend that white jersey and, um, you know, today probably be a sprint again. Um, uh, Kittel looks, you know, unstoppable. If he wins another one, then who knows what's going to happen with those sprints, if people are going to stop working with them. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then towards the end of the week, and, you know, we have we have um, Yatesy in the white jersey, but a couple of our other guys are off GC now. So, you know, I think uh, we've got some more chances. And last one, how's the morale in the, in the group? Ah, it's good. We're an Australian team, we always have fun. Good luck, guys. Thank you. Matthew Eamon there. He's such a lovely bloke, Matthew. Yeah, he, he's a great guy. Look, I, I guess I can say I had the privilege to race against him. Because um, he's, he's, he's not too far behind me in age. But you know what I'm really happy with him is that uh, he's now on his third Tour de France. His very first Tour de France, he didn't finish. He had to withdraw. He actually... Uh, missed the time cut and we thought gee he may never see Paris and then he saw it for the first time last year and I think he'll get there this year well let's hope uh, we are not yet in Paris but yesterday what a place for dinner uh, you know I remember I said it's the football of France I didn't disappoint you did I oh my goodness you weren't lying were you I think I've just um I think my kidneys my arteries and all, all the important things inside your stomach they're screaming at me now because what we had was bear with me bear with me people we had uh foie gras we had maga cana now and then we had then we had for the main course we had duck right which was cooked in duck fat with that was potatoes that were cooked in duck fat and pretty much everything on the plate was cooked in duck fat the mushroom were delish <laughs> i don't actually eat mushroom normally but they were so lovely in duck fat yeah i was about to say how are they cooked <laughs> but the food was it was delicious and wow it was a it was a very small boutique sort of not hotel like they had they have 10 rooms it was an old farmhouse conversion but oh gee we're showing off aren't we we loved it 
Ah, it was delicious. I just can't. It's the best region of France for food. Sorry about the other regions, but this is the best region for France. <laughs> Don't apologize. All the other regions aren't bad, though, but you, yeah, you, I will say, well, you are French, so you weren't lying, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, now let's talk about the stage uh, last night. I said it before, but another, another one in a kitty for Kittel. Oh, how, how long did it take you to think, come up with that? Another one in the kitty for Kittel. I like it, I like it. I'm reusing my, uh, my headlines. I, I could use them to, <laughs> to Paris. Uh, what do you make of that win? Is he easy and beatable on these two on the sprint? Well, he is at the moment, isn't he? And you know what? Someone said to me a few days ago, I can't remember who it was, but they said Kittel can win eight stages. He'll, he'll, he'll just about win eight stages. And I went, come on, seriously, he will not win eight. He's won four. <laughs> He's won four. Let's, let's, let's hypothetically lock in Paris. There's five. He's only got to get three more. And he, 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 did, he did yesterday's stage. It was the easiest victory for him. Because so. we, we saw him uh, rising up on his bike and sitting up and putting his arms up way before the, the, the finish line. There's no photo finish on this one. No, and you know what? When I interviewed him, he, well, he's, he's certainly not overconfident and he's not an arrogant uh, rider. He's very... He's, I, I, so much respect for him and I love the way he presents himself off the bike. And he just said... But he talked with confidence. He just said, well... You know, I didn't have to hit the wind. He said, I waited for my taxi, 400 metres to go, 500 metres to go. And what he meant by that was he was waiting for a rider to get nervous and jump first. And then he said, Dan McClay came past him. He jumped on the wheel and he said, gee, I had a free run. And then he said, everyone went down one side, I went down the other. So it's just a guy now that's foot brimming with confidence and the sky's the limit. He could win, he could win three or four more. What was impressive as well is when you see the raw speed that he was he was doing, Buani tried to take his wheel and just could not hold on. You could see that Kittel was just moving forward and, and Buani had just no, nothing to respond with. It's amazing, isn't it, when you look at the last few years, when he burst onto the scene at the Tour, when he won his first stage, and then he was, he was fairly dominant. Last year, he got a stage win. Um, he got at least one on memory, I know that. But, but Mark Cavendish was the dominant rider. So now he's bounced back and, wow, he's just, you know, like I said, straight line sprint, no one's getting near him. And you're right. I mean, when we see him on the mix zone, he's so confident. Mm. He, he's walking the chest, all pump, shoulders high. He's owning this place. You know who he is? Ivan Drago out of Rocky Four, I think it was. <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. Uh, what else can we uh, remember from this stage? Uh, Michael Matthews didn't have the best day. No, disappointing. We're, we're disappointed, aren't we? Um, that's the problem. When you're not a pure sprinter, it's hit and miss. He's had a couple of good flat finishes. We know that. Into Nuit Saint-Georges, he was third. Um, but uh, it's probably as good as he's going to get on the flat stages. It's not done. It's not done for Michael. He can certainly win a stage. I think the green jersey is almost, almost, I won't say it is totally, but it's almost out of his grasp. Um, I'm an ever-optimist, <laughs> can you tell? But certainly a stage win is still well within his grasp. Maybe he needs to reset and go, okay, forget the green and just go for a stage win. Do you know, uh, when you look at yellow jersey, green jersey, uh, it's hard to get motivated with any changes because you go, Froome is in yellow, Kittel is in green. Is that going to change to Paris? That's, I don't know, that's, that's a hypothetical question, but it's, I think it's worth asking. Isn't it our job to pretend that it is going to be exciting? <laughs> so, so I don't know. I, I didn't have the leaflet, sorry. <laughs> no, it's a good point. Look, the green... Okay, there's two things. He's twofold, and this is completely honest, so this is without building it up. The green jersey, Kittle, may not survive the mountains. 
and get eliminated. All right, he has he has a bad day, bang, he's gone, and the green's open, and Matthews can actually win the green. So there's your answer to that one. The yellow jersey, yes, Chris Froome, he needs to have a disaster. We've seen a few disasters already happen. So do not think for a second that Chris Froome's got plain sailing all the way to Paris. He's got to get through the, the carnage of the flat stages without crashing. He's got to not crash on a descent. He's got to not have a nasty mechan- a bad mechanical at the really wrong time uh, and then have Fabio Aru attack him again. <laughs> so, yes, they're foregone conclusions, but there's a couple of big buts and ifs. Do you know what? I think you're right. You're forever optimist. Oh, I always am. Yeah, yeah. I was, when I was racing, I was the same. Even when I was getting my butt kicked, I was like, no, I can win tomorrow, I can win tomorrow. Oh, maybe not. The next day. <laughs> That's good. Okay, we take a short break and when we come back, we talk to Sophie Smith and what is it like to be a young journo on the scene of the Tour de France. It's right after that. Don't go anywhere. Sometimes you just can't get outside for a ride because it's either late at night or the weather is just horrible or you have other family commitments. The beauty of Zwift is you can Zwift at any time of day for however long you like. There's always a community of friendly cyclists and competitors waiting to take on the roads of Watopia or Richmond, where the World Championships were held in 2015. Perfect for the time-crunched athlete or new cyclist. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Uh, it's time now in, uh, in our podcast to talk uh, to uh, one of the, the journalists that goes around with us in uh, SBS, Sophie Smith. Hi, Sophie. Hello, how are you? So we know you because you do a lot of the feature interviews at the, at the back of, uh, um, of the grid. Uh, who are you really, Sophie Smith? How cycling came about in your life? I actually, it was serendipitous. I did my journalism cadetship um, in Geelong. I moved from Melbourne to Geelong to complete a, a two-year course. And when I was there, I was working on the sports desk and uh, the 2010 World Championships were held in Geelong. And I was there, actually. You were there? <laughs> I, I think it was a stepping stone for a lot of people, more younger people, um, in Australian media circles. But That's when we learned that Contador had a bit of a problem with a, with a stake at that time. It Something around there, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, there was a few interesting characters. Uh, but I had a really great sports editor and a couple of mentors that I got put in charge of a cycling page and I actually probably couldn't have told you who Lance Armstrong was when I first started this page and by the end of it I became quite passionate about the sport and my editor said make the most of those world championships because it could have been the first of like bigger picture or the last thing so I went to every national team press conference you could think of except for actually Norway and I think Torhushov won that year um, so that was a bit of a bummer but uh, everything else I covered and on the back of that I've been offered jobs since so it took me to a national television network and then to London um, and I was on the London was great because I went to more or less every race on the circuit there and really got a, a good feel for what this sport actually is. And how passionate are you about the Tour de France? It's far from being your first Tour de France. Uh, I guess you love the event. It's hard to it's hard not to like the event. It's my sixth Tour de France, yeah. Um, I've always got, it's a bit of a love-hate relationship with the Tour. It's one of those things you do love it and you never, ever want to miss it. It's the pinnacle of every one season. Um, but there are points during the race where you really hate it. <laughs> is, is that the point where you go, yeah, I'm going to do a Tour de France. Yes, I'm going to do a Tour de France. Why did I do a Tour de France? Kind of, yeah. Maybe like a long-term relationship. I haven't been one of those for a while, but something, something similar to that. No, I really do love it for a number of reasons, aside from the racing, cycling's an international sport, but it's still quite small as well, if that makes sense. It's a bit like being a high school, everyone sort of knows everybody else. 
and the cultural aspect of it like you know I can go to breakfast and there's a French journalist or a German journalist or an American journalist and everyone's got their own little um, quirks and cultural traditions and things like that and it's fascinating just getting an insight into the general world through those people and also the travel like the places it takes you is is incredible outside cycling what else drives you in your life a time I, I would have said nothing I was so career driven and just sort of enamored with the sport um, friends and family are really important to me so I moved back to Melbourne after London and settled settled into an apartment and they're my backbone in a lot of ways um, everyone asked me if I ride a bike not really <laughs> I'll probably lose a few people me, me neither me neither okay, good. <laughs> I'm like a little commuter but I just sold my specialized Amira um, I'm big on sport I come from like sporting family so I'm sort of obsessed with reformer Pilates at the moment and I'm a massive foodie um, that's like a second occupation for me finding restaurants and bars and the area I live in the inner north is I never eat at home I'm always at a, a new hotspot it's a bit it's a bit thriving uh, football as well soccer football because you you've been doing stuff for uh, Melbourne City I yes. believe yeah I'm a presenter at Melbourne City and that's been great I specialize in cycling for a long time and wanted to to branch out and and football for me was a really appealing option firstly again because it's an international game and has that cultural aspect and everyone I think across the world can I, I can identify with that sport um, it's been really I've loved working for Melbourne City they're a, a great group there and uh, you know such an experienced team people that have played Premier League people that are coming through it's it's been really refreshing yeah, absolutely uh, last question what do you make of this tour this year it's been exciting well how do you rate it against the other five that you've done this one's been interesting actually because I think the course um, that ASO put together it was meant to make for a much more open aggressive race that Sky couldn't dominate and they've so far had the yellow jersey from the beginning it's been amazing and Peter Sagan getting disqualified and Mark Cavendish getting taken out that but we fry for that drama yeah we do we do I got a few scrum bruises for that one but I'm not gonna like the adrenaline kicks good you can't the downside is you can't sleep you know for the next night because you're still pumping but that was an incredible thing to like to cover I think that'll be part of tour history and I'm looking forward to the next stages just to see I think the race could go one of two ways I think Marcel Kittle could stay in green and kill the flat stages and Sky could stay in yellow and do the same thing or it could bust wide open entirely what do you make of the craziness of this tour you know the crowd the people it's it's almost they're on on, on the on the break of getting completely nuts every day the first tour I did in 2012 with uh, it was a UK magazine two of them actually cycling weekly and cycle sport I felt drunk the entire time I was too hungover like it was such it was so enormous taking in like but not from the wine not from the wine no, no. <laughs> don't dog me in um, no just like the atmosphere like you know aside from the fans and the energy they produce being in the race and having such ac access to um, I was about to say players riders you know it's a, it's a lot of adrenaline it's a lot of testosterone and you sort of feed off that and feel that at the same time so that particular tour I was It was exhausting in a way, like in like a hangover, and you weren't quite with it. Um, now, then you go to drop out when you go home. You do. You go. That oh, is the worst thing. That is the worst thing. It's sometimes easier just to be on the tour and stay and do the whole thing. I think if you leave, you do. It's really noticeable that you flatline. But same as if you come in and out. I used to have an editor that didn't let us do the whole thing because it purely because he didn't want us to become exhausted. And writers and journalists, it's funny looking at their faces. You have some days where they 
genuinely look like they've got out of just got out of bed or they've aged 10 years and unless it's imperative like no one wants to ask a question no one wants to answer a question and then the next day they can be like first day of spring sprightly so thank you Sophie. thank you when Zwift first started, we had but a few short kilometres you could ride. Now Zwift has almost 100 unique kilometres of road with a seemingly endless variety of routes you can take around the world. And they're always adding more roads to ride. And the roads are really cool too. There's the streets of London where you can pass by Parliament or Harold's. There's the roads of Watopia which take you through underwater tunnels and through a volcano or you can even ride the Richmond 2015 UCI World Championships course. That's my favourite. Can't wait to see what they add next. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to the Zwift to the France podcast. Let's have a look at what's coming up tonight. Uh, what's coming up tonight is another flat stage, Dave. Another flat one. Settle in, put the doona over you, you know... Crack a bottle of red, cheese and bickies, you know, it's a bit like that. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to Po. Uh, po is a beautiful city, actually. Uh, the stage is 203 kilometers and 500 meters to be exact. Um, we're seeing some long stages this year. There are some long stages, yes. I agree. It's, um, yeah. You know, for the first time, I think, in my uh, TV career post being a cyclist, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, but I think, yeah, it's at the stage where maybe they need to shorten them a little bit. But look, logistics, it makes it hard for them to do that. And Poe is a, it's been a traditional uh, stage finish on the Tour de France many, many times, and uh, uh, it should be good, another good one. And if I look at the map, we, we are not far from the Pyrenees. Uh, so it's one of the last days where uh, the actual sprinters can actually uh, sing maybe one last time before sweating it out in the Pyrenees. Yeah, absolutely. And won't be too many between this one and Paris, actually. It'll be more stages for opportunists because the sprinters will be tired. Their teammates will be tired. So they really, they won't be able to control a peloton probably now until Paris. We talked a lot uh, at the beginning of the podcast about uh, Michael Matthews uh, and the chances or not for the for the green jersey. What about the other Aussies? Where do, where we should look for the other Aussies? Opportunist stages, definitely. Guys like Adam Hansen, Jay McCarthy. He's he's a, he's a real opportunist rider. At, I think at least at this level, Tour de France now. So uh, watch Jay McCarthy, Simon Clark. So there's three guys that uh, I think th those transitional stages, not the flat ones, not the pan flat ones, the ones that are a little bit lumpy where a break can survive. Yeah, McCarthy is interesting because from Bora, they've lost, uh, they've lost two of their leaders, basically. Uh, does that mean there they are opportunities for them? Because they're going to have to show that jersey. The sponsors would want to see the jersey in light. Massively. It is a massive opportunity for Jay McCarthy because I spoke to him before the start and he said, my main goal is to look after Rafael Micah and Peter Sagan, and they're both out. Micah was the GC guy, and we know what Sagan was here for. So, and he, and he played that role really well until they, you know, both had to withdraw. So now for Jay, he just needs to reset his mind and go, right, this is a massive opportunity. And for him, if he did get a stage win, how proud of him would the sponsors be? that, you know, not just him, but the rest of the team, that they pick the pieces up and say, well, it's not done. We've lost our two biggest riders, but hey, look what we can do. Cool. You know what? I need some sparkling water to break down that duck fat. No, I'm, I'm going back for more duck. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Enjoy. And this is it for us on the Zwift Tour de France podcast for this 12th episode. I remember that you can stream and download our podcast from SoundCloud. You can also uh, sign up on our website, sbs.com.au slash cycling central. And you can, of course, find us on Zwift, zwift.com. Next stage, uh, 
next podcast will be available uh, tomorrow morning. Until then, I hope you have a great day. And it's on behalf of the whole team working on this podcast here for you at SBS. It's au revoir for now and à demain. Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast. Every day throughout the Tour de France, there are SBS group rides that you can join and see how your wattage output compares to the likes of Richie Port and Chris Froome. Check it out today by visiting Zwift.com to learn more.